Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Merry Christmas! What is this? Up to Neverland! Ho 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 ho! Come in and know me better, man! Ho ho! Merry Merry Christmas! Merry Merry Christmas! Merry Merry Christmas! Merry Merry Christmas! Oh, what a Merry Christmas! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around with your happiest thoughts. We are flying away to Neverland in a post-Thanksgiving world. And, of course, I am your spider pan, Jeremy. And along for the ride, of course, we've brought Lost Boy Retlaw, or we like to just call him Eric. Eric Warren. Eric, 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 Eric Warren. Eric Warren. Hey there, Eric. Hey there, I'm not flying. I had too much turkey this year. I actually managed to control myself, although uh, when it came to pie, I had options between some apple and some pumpkin, and my answer was both. Well, I had apple, pumpkin, and chocolate, and mine was all three, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the chocolate has the extra weight, although I did eat some s'mores through the microwave, so I've had some chocolate too. There you go. Oh, yes. So overall, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I had a great time. Uh, my parents were able to come down from Idaho, and uh, we just had a really good time with them. Would that be a down or an over? That's a down. <laughs> I had to think where Idaho is, and relative to there's yeah. Idaho does exist, uh, contrary to popular belief and uh, internet memes. It does exist. I have not seen that internet meme. Be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> Yeah, we kept it pretty simple. We just went over to my in-laws' house and uh, had a nice meal. Uh, The funny thing is, this week I've been on fall break from university. And I meant to maybe take some time off. I have a few editing projects I needed to work on. And uh, so I kind of did that for a couple of days. Did some stuff for my practicum with career services. But then I wanted to decorate the house for Christmas. And I started cleaning. Uh, We'll call it my studio room where I'm at right now. And I, you did get to see the mess that this was uh, when you were here for Planet Comic Con last year. It was mm-hmm. a disaster. You would not believe the difference I made in a day killing myself. My back still hurts. My leg still hurts. <laughs> but I got this place ship shape. Uh, and a lot of this stuff moved downstairs into storage. And so because we have a cat, we, we have a tabletop tree we use in the living room. But I have a full-size Christmas tree now that can fit in this room comfortably. All right. That way it keeps away from the cat. 
Mm, excellent. So uh, we still need to put a few ornaments on it. We, ha- I think I only want to put our Hallmark ornaments on it because the Hallmark ones are for more fun anyway because we got like a Batman and Star Trek and a Ninja Turtle and a Spider-Man and, and a He-Man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All the good stuff, you know? So oh, yeah. We haven't done that yet. Plus my Mickey and Minnie star that I got at the Disney store a couple years back that when I saw it, I absolutely had to have it. Even if it doesn't light up, I had to have it. It was on sale. So... It's mostly decorated tree. It's at least lit up and has some garland hanging on it. So we're taking our time putting our decorations up because it's not quite December. Although, you know, it it may as well be. Right, because How the Grinch Stole Christmas was already aired on Friday night. Rudolph is going to air this coming week. And Heather and I sat down, uh, I guess, Saturday and pulled out some of our DVDs. And we've already watched all of the Muppet holiday specials. And uh, uh, what else? See, oh, and we, we pulled out the Star Wars holiday special off of YouTube because neither one of us had ever seen it. And we're going to talk about that later. Uh, kind of the theme I want to do for the month is go through some of our favorite holiday specials and talk about them. So that, of course, is coming up as well as Eric's review of Coco. We're going to have Lady and the Tramp in our story time and also. Eric has a great recording of the Christmas Fantasy Parade from Disneyland. Uh, so that's what we have coming up on the show today. Uh, and uh, anything else we want to talk about before we jump into a little bit of news? I'm good. Okay. Well, I guess it's time to jump into a little bit of news. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Oh, but really, though, another bit of news and something I found out. This is a past event. I actually just saw this on Peter Whitehead, who uh, he works at the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. But Marceline, Missouri has this thing called Peanut Day. And on hmm. on Main Street, they sell thousands of peanut bags. To and apparently it just packs in there. Everybody just jams in there, and they sell peanuts, which I guess the money goes over to the Chamber of Commerce, which helps run Toon Fest and their other events. But then after they've been selling peanuts, they all go over to Ripley Park, I believe it's called. Well, this is the park there uh, in Marceline, the main town, and they light all the lights up and they light the entire street up. Uh, so that sounds really cool. And I think next year Heather and I are definitely going to go up there. Although we may have to stay in a hotel in Marceline, but I I think it would be great to see a small town like that how it lights up for. Christmas and doing it in an event and I guess they do this the Saturday after Thanksgiving every year. Oh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought so. So I think next year I'm going to try to not forget to do that. Of course, this past year I wanted to go up for the 4th of July and that didn't end up happening because you know, I thought it would be really, you know, they have a little carnival course they do in the park and stuff. So uh, I will get up there for 4th of July because a small town 4th of July just sounds wholesome and, and American, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Oh, but uh, we got so a few things to catch up on, uh, mainly some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle news. And I know this isn't Disney, but uh, this is still kind of cool. Some of it, some of it I'm, I'm confused about, although the cool news is still confusing. But all right. So Injustice 2 came out. Uh, so been a few months at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever played any of the Injustice games? Yeah, you know, actually, I've been playing uh, the first Injustice game this week. What system do you have it on? Uh, PS4. 
Awesome. So do I. So, uh, well, then again, we have, probably have to go out on next, you know, one of these days we'll get on the PS network and I'll have to take you on or something. We can play that. Uh, but uh, I had it on the Xbox 360, but I saw it was really cheap for a PS4. So I am playing that. Um, and it's nice, you know, because you got the edition that has all the characters unlocked and I had already had all the characters unlocked on the 360. So it's kind of nice to do that. But Injustice 2 came out. I haven't gotten it yet. And I wasn't that worried about it. I didn't like some of the, you know, they, they redid the, some of the costumes and it didn't really didn't look as good, I thought. Mm-hmm. But now I've been seeing that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are going to be released as a downloadable content for Injustice 2. Yeah, that's pretty amazing because uh, I know Injustice 2, they're kind of branching out beyond the DC universe. Uh, I know that they've had Hellboy out Mm -hmm. for quite a while, so it's great to hear also that they're including the Ninja Turtles in this as well. Yeah, I'm finding out Hellboy was there was a bit of a surprise for me, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I saw that and I was like, what? That's kind of cool. Uh, oh, but they also mentioned like Enchantress was going to be released and the Atom, you know, but, you know, that's not that big a deal because Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Especially because uh, I kind of like the Marvel version of Enchantress better than the DC version of Enchantress. Mm-hmm. I must say, because, you know, Suicide Squad, that character did not impress me much. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that makes me wonder if we're going to get Yusagi Yojimbo in there. That would be pretty cool. It would be. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind an entire Ninja Turtle fighting game again. Uh, remember, what was it? Uh, Ninja Turtle Tournament Fighters back on the Super Nintendo? You know, I never had it. Uh, I didn't own it, but uh, I had rented it and had a good old time with it. It was pretty fun. Uh, it was hard, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but speaking of things, I, I don't understand. You know, uh, granted, I, I've missed a few seasons on this Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles, uh, which overall it's a pretty good series. Uh, the, when it started out, it was more like the Monster of the Week, uh, but it was still it was a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I yeah, guess it's coming to an ending for some reason, and then being rebooted as Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with a brand new show and a brand new cast. I don't understand mm-hmm. why they're doing that. You know, it's called reinventing yourself every few years. Yeah, and you know Disney's guilty of that with uh, you know, the Avengers. They did it with the Ultimate Spider-Man series, and it never made sense because they're acting like it's a whole new show, but yet it was the same show. Just you know, like now we're going to have a different season of it. Mm-hmm. This though appears to be completely rebooting because I mean, you've got Omar Millers who's going to be playing Raphael, Ben Schwartz uh, who's going to be playing Leonardo, Josh mm-hmm. Brenner or is it Brenner? I think it's Brenner. I don't know. He's from Silicon Valley. He's playing Donatello, which is funny because he's from Silicon Valley and he's going to play Donatello. <laughs> uh, and then Brandon Michael Smith is playing Michelangelo. And also, we did. Did you see this? Cat Graham was actually at the Thanksgiving Day Parade when the turtles were coming out in their regular Nickelodeon look uh, the, from the current series, and she was singing a song. Uh, but she's going to be the voice of April O'Neil, and then Eric Baza from uh, it says even from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to be playing Splinter. And so that really didn't get me that interested. But then I saw that Rob Paulson is voice directing this series. Yes. <laughs> So, and we know Rob definitely has a history with the turtles. Yes, he does. From Donatello to Raphael, my goodness. Mm-hmm. That gets me curious enough to maybe check this out. Because mm-hmm. it, it seems silly to me that they were doing it. I mean, heck, I've even seen they have a, uh, a like a preschool version of the Ninja Turtles for a, a toy line that they did. They were like little kid versions. They were kind of cute. Uh, but yeah. I did see briefly they had a short little cartoon of that. 
And I guess that's done with. But so now they, we got a 26 episode series, and this is co co-executive produced by Andy Serrano, who's a character direct designer from Samurai Jack, and Ant Ward, who's a supervising producer of the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's that's come to an end. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I still don't understand why it's getting rebooted. Other than you know, you know, like in comics, you sometimes you'd go and launch a brand new volume and have a new number one because number ones were supposed to sell better. Yep, yep, yep. Now, well, you know, one thing that I do like about this is this is going to be a 2D series. It's not uh, 3D animated. So it's uh, going back again to, you know, actually a couple series uh, as far as turtles are concerned to that 2D look. Which is interesting, uh, mm-hmm. but I want to know what sort of uh, stylistic. I mean, because the, the back in the eighties, it was there was an Archie comic kind of version. It was it was very light back in the eighties, and it was fun. We enjoyed it. Uh, then that second series tried to get a little bit closer to the roots of uh, the Ninja Turtles, where it was a little bit darker, and you know they were inspired by Daredevil a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this newer series, like I said, it seemed like a weird monster of the week, and it was kind of goofy and weird, and it, it seemed like it was definitely an homage to the eighties show with he's still being a little bit darker so what are they going to do this time i wonder hard to say i will just have to wait and see what comes uh out of this yep but you know it's i wasn't interested until i saw rob polson's name and i just want to see what happens with him in charge of voices (laughs) because you know he's going to be having pretty good tips for Raphael and donatello on how they should be played because he ought to definitely (laughs) (laughs) okay and now uh this is something it's it's a bit of a downer but it has to be mentioned but John Lasseter, uh, that a, a Pixar employee says that he was known for grabbing, kissing, and making comments about physical attributes around Pixar. And uh, I've heard some people say this has almost been like a witch hunt through Hollywood because uh, apparently Hollywood has an epidemic problem of, of uh, harassment that has gone on. And John Lasseter has taken a leave of absence uh, due to this. And uh, they've managed to rule out uh, – there was a whole thing about Rashida Jones. Apparently, she wasn't going to work on some sort of project because of this. But she said, no, it has nothing to do with this. We were actually having some philosophical and creative differences. Uh, so that had nothing to do with it. So it's kind of weird that that came around about the same time. But uh, John Lasseter says he's had some unspecified missteps. And so he's he's going to be on leave for about six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, we certainly don't want to take this into a more adult conversation, right? Um, but you know, the 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 allegations that have been made are that he's uh, a bit too friendly when it comes to giving people hugs, uh, lingering on uh, people's legs. Um, there haven't been any accusations that I'm aware of that go into uh, a much more graphic sexual nature by any means. But, uh, you know, this is interesting. It does show that uh, with the, the current uh, way that things are being looked at in Hollywood, there really are very few people who aren't suspect at this point and, you know, in, in inappropriate behaviors. Yeah, and I mean, in the modern world, I'm afraid to even, you know, and. I, you know, especially around around the university, I I feel like I'm that father figure, older brother. You know, most of them know that I'm I'm older. I'm married. I know, but I'm afraid to even give give a woman a compliment, mm-hmm. like oh well, you look very nice today, because somebody could misconstrue that. 
Mm-hmm. There, we also are in a world that if you were to ask a girl out, if you were single, I've heard of this happening. You ask a girl out and she really didn't want to. She could consider that an unwanted advance on her. And all the person did was ask her them out. You know, it's some, sometimes it does go to an extreme, and I wish that wouldn't happen because I'd rather when when something bad does happen to a woman and something punishment needs to be meted out, I would rather be able to deal with that instead of having all these light level, you know, no, but nothing really was meant by this kind of thing, and have accusations there. You know, I'm afraid even to touch someone on the shoulder, or I could be, I'd like to be a huggy type person, but I'm just like, you know, I just got to keep my hands off everybody because you never know who's going to be offended by even putting a hand on their shoulder or mm-hmm. uh, or. or touching somebody's elbow there are some hypersensitive people that really do not like that and even though you don't intend anything they may be offended by it mm-hmm. and it's, i think it's very unfortunate because i would rather draw more attention to serious really inappropriate behavior that needs to be punished and not have it made light of from all these other ones where it's they really didn't mean anything by it but the, someone's gonna cause a, a fuss over that so <laughs> I don't know how you deal with this sort of thing. And I don't know what all John Lasseter did. Was it just he liked – he was a huggy type of guy and he'd give people a kiss on the cheek? Maybe that was something like that and somebody was offended. Maybe some a lot of people were offended by that. Or was he actually being inappropriate at times? I don't know. I wasn't mm-hmm. there. You know, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, John Lasseter really is a major creative force for Disney and for Pixar, and uh, his absence is certainly going to be missed. Let's hope that uh, during the sabbatical he's taken that uh, he gets whatever help he needs and that he's able to come back uh, and be more focused on what it is that he does. Yeah, and I would keep an eye out if anyone actually levels any charges against him because if mm-hmm. there is actual inappropriate conduct there are charges that can be brought and until until someone actually brings charges i'm going to hope that maybe it was very innocent he didn't mean to do anything inappropriate he didn't you know w- you know without that inchen- intention because intention to me means a lot I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely some stuff where you know there was some bad intent there. I don't know if he had a bad intent. I don't know. But if there was something he seriously did that was seriously wrong, somebody bring charges. I will be upset the fact that charges had to be brought. That's for sure. Because it's mm-hmm. it's upsetting at all that this happens. But yeah, <laughs> if no charges are ever brought against him, I'm going to I'm going to presume that maybe he was just he didn't mean to be inappropriate. But maybe he was just some people didn't like his behavior and he wasn't trying to be. But I don't know. And that's also dealing with California. They have a different way of thinking sometimes out in that direction of the world, I must say. That they do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we've lingered on that too far. <laughs> but let's let's move on to something a little well, speaking happier. Of, yeah, well, speaking of California, you know, they've got that great rebuilt city of uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I never seem to see anything that looks very realistic about it. I always seem to see it in drawings. Hmm. I'll tell you, they've got uh, quite the technical uh, robotics institute there. Yes, indeed. And uh, quite some genius young people there that seem to be making some pretty good medical robots. Well, at least one. (laughs) So... But, oh my gosh, I, I'm so glad that I saw this uh, when I was flipping over Disney XD and they had a quick thing because I wasn't sure when this premiered. But it, it premiered, uh, what was this, on uh, Friday night, I think, or, um, or Tuesday? I don't know, but it premiered this past week. Big Hero 6. Actually, Monday night. Monday night Monday? is when it premiered, yeah. 
Yes, with the return of Baymax, which was interesting because, you know, at the end of the film, we do get to see Baymax return, but uh, we don't get to see that there was a gap of time there between bringing Baymax back. Which this show really does a very good job, you know, within its first half hour of showing how we get back to that point. Yeah, which was nice. And they, they even tried to recreate him, you know, Hero putting the, the glove fist thing there and giving it a little quick fist bump as, a, like, goodbye Baymax. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seemed to replay a little bit of the movie, but doing it as a, tr- a 2D style. And I really appreciated having the original cast back. Mm-hmm. That was great. You know, with, with the exception of Fred, but... Uh... Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I'll, well, I tell you, it sounded just like TJ, what's his mm-hmm. last name? TJ Miller. TJ Miller, yeah. It sounded just like him. I really couldn't tell a difference. Yeah, but they, they did a really good job. I, I really like the style, mm-hmm. the art style behind this series. It, it, it feels like it's from the same universe. Um, yes, it does. And certainly having that cast really cements it in place there. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going to take this. You know, it's interesting that they've uh, taken the initial first bad guy we ever see in the movie, Yama, and made him kind of a henchman to whatever big bad is out there for this series. Yeah, and this, see, this is what I kind of wonder is they, uh, you know, I I remember looking this up at one point, but Big Hero 6 in the Marvel Universe uh, has had some villains they've tackled in some little miniseries things. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they can pull some of that in, have a little bit of a just off Marvel Universe, or just completely create some new characters altogether. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, at Fred's house, he's got a whole bunch of uh, costumes. And mm-hmm. if you watch the movie and you know your Marvel history, you're going to see a lot that's very familiar. One thing I noticed in this series is they seem to focus on Sleepwalker's costume. Hmm. Which was very interesting because it was hmm. pretty prominent, prominently displayed in one of the backgrounds. I'm going to have to go back and watch again. Because I think I dozed off there towards the end because I was very tired after cleaning up stuff and all the stuff I was doing this week. So I've got mm-hmm. it on my DVR. I'm going to watch again. So I'll have yeah, to look into that. Of course, my own uh, personal uh, uh, headcanon is that uh, uh, Tadashi really is here. He's really Sunfire, and he's going to show up. But, you know, thanks to Fox having the rights to mutants, I doubt that will ever happen. But it'd be nice to have something like that turn up. It would almost be like a version of Sunfire, but he's not a mutant. He's just somehow or another got powers from some sort of accident in the fire. Exactly. Because, you know, Tadashi is not normally Sunfire's name in the Marvel, but... No, no, it's not. But uh, Sunfire was actually very closely associated with Big Hero 6 in the comics. Exactly. So, you know what? They they could. Although, would that take something away from some of the Big Hero 6 if Tadashi was alive, though? You might lose something. You might lose something, but I'll say nah. It would be nice to have him back, but yeah. Right. You might lose a little bit of the emotional kick of uh, of the first film, or of the film. You know, first film, could maybe there could be a sequel, but I don't think we need a sequel if we got a series. I don't know. So, but overall, I, I, got to, I saw at least the first half hour, and I dozed off in the second half hour. So I saw the whole building of Baymax, uh, or rebuilding of Baymax, and I got to see that the bad guys are making their own versions of Baymaxes, which mm-hmm. could be interesting. I'd like to see where that goes. I don't know if it went anywhere in the second half that I, I dozed out on. I'll just have to say you'll have to see. I'm going to have to come back and watch it again. So, <laughs> uh, But overall, I'm pretty pleased that this is even being uh, developed and written up by the group Man of Action, who did Ultimate oh, yeah. Spider-Man. 
and a lot mm-hmm. of other stuff. Uh, their their take of how they did Ultimate Spider-Man didn't really work for me for, for Spider-Man, but I think their style really would fit with Big Hero 6 and the lightheartedness that it should have. Mm-hmm. So well, the great, I expect the great thing. Yeah, well, the great thing about Man of Action is they are comic book writers and artists. Right. They, you know, work for Marvel. They know how everything fits together. And, you know, for being its own little subsection, weird, separate universe from the rest of Marvel, you know, there's a lot of material available to them in a lot of directions they can go with it. Yeah, and there's... I, this is pipe dreaming, but there's a lot of lighter sided Marvel characters that are never going to get spotlight that could be brought in, like Slapstick. Mm hmm. Look him up, I Google him. See everybody. that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see something like Slapstick pop up. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Of course, I'd love to see Darkhawk pop up in something, uh, but I don't expect that's going to show up in here because he's somebody who deserves some spotlight, but he's not a very lighthearted tone character necessarily. Guardians of the Galaxy 3? That would be awesome. Because <laughs> we know they're they're going to do a whole new cast. Or, you know, they'll switch things up a bit. Yeah, and yeah, like you could put Darkhawk in there. It would be well if you know if Sony wasn't doing their own version of Venom. I would like to see a Flash Thompson Agent Venom in there somewhere at some point. Would be kind of cool, but I don't think that's happening. Mm. But you know, just the potential that they could, but probably not because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. messy, messy, messy. Speaking of. Uh, Christmas specials. Exactly. <laughs> Which, uh, but before, before we get there. <laughs> yep. Before we get there, uh, I, I got to see a new trailer this week when I went to go see Coco. Uh, I got to see it online, uh, so I guess we better go to the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. So what we got to see was A Wrinkle in Time. Close your eyes. See with mine. You were a top student. But look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Is that his work? What's it about? Their dad... He wanted to touch the stars. Imagine that the ant here wants to get to her other hand. The quickest option is to walk across the street. But it turns out a straight line is not the shortest distance between two points. Not if you use a fifth dimension. It's outside of the rules we know of time and space. So the ant arrives in my hand instantaneously. So you fall to space. More likely wrinkle it. Where are we? We heard a cry out in the universe. Who's alive? We believe he is, and we're here to help you find him. We are in search of warriors. Warriors who serve the good and the light in the universe. You're kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? A little. I'm not. I'm not. Your father's trapped by an evil energy. It's too strong for our light. And the only one who can stop it is you. Be a warrior.
love is always there, even if you can't see it. So this is coming on March 9th from director Ava DuVernay. I hope I'm saying that right, or DuVernay. And of course, based on the book by uh, Madeline Langle. I still don't even know how to say that right. Uh, produced you by, did. You got it right. Awesome. Produced by uh, Jim Whitaker and Catherine Hand with Doug Merrifield as executive producer. This stars Reese Witherspoon, Oprah Winfrey, Mindy Kaling, Gugu Mumbathra, Michael Pena, Storm Reed, Zach Galifianakis, uh, uh, yep, Zach Galifianakis, and Chris Pine. And I've never read this book, but I should probably read it. It is a very good book. It's it's something that was uh, pretty important as I was growing up uh, to me as I read it. So definitely, you need to check this out. And it looks like this is going to be, uh, you know, if not faithful, at least a very imaginative retelling of that story. There was a uh, version of it that came out about uh, 15, 16, 17 years ago uh, as a made-for-TV movie, and mm-hmm. it just really was not that good. I'm not getting that vibe at all from this movie. This looks like it's going to be pretty spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very bright and colorful and just uh, a, a very good spectacle and interesting character designs and creatures. And I don't fully understand the concept that somehow or another they've discovered some way that where if you a straight line, if you can fold it over. And this, so it sounds like, the, like you're crossing dimensions or multiverse or something, I guess. It's the Tesseract. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, no, technically, or uh, truthfully, it's the Tesseract. That's uh, what it's referred to in this uh, story. <laughs> well, there so you Marvel go. Marvel stole it. <laughs> I guess so. Although in the comics, I think they just refer to it as the Cosmic Cube. The the name the Tesseract, mm-hmm. I thought, was mainly in the films, right? Or do right. they call it that in the comics at all that I've you've ever seen? No, nope, not in the comics that I've seen. That's what I thought because I had never heard it called that. It was just the Cosmic Cube. So, but overall, this very, very interesting looking. And like I said, I think I'm interested to read the book maybe before the movie comes out, or should I see the movie and then read the book? Read the book. Yeah, inevitably, we know the movies will just always disappoint us. But read the book. Yeah, because I, I just, it's just when to do it. Because sometimes if you read the book and then you see the movie, you're a little disappointed of stuff that isn't in it. Mm-hmm. Compared to seeing the movie and then reading the book and being like, oh, wow, this is, you know, I'm so excited. And you, of course, it may affect the way you see things when you, in your head, when you read the book, if you've gone through the movie. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a long stack of books already waiting for me to read. <laughs> well, you know, I'm definitely planning on rereading A Wrinkle in Time. And I'm, you know, got a foothold back in uh, Ready Player One whenever I've got uh, a free moment to reread that. <laughs> Yeah, if I get a chance to check out that audio book. That's the thing. I'm actually really behind on listening to podcasts because I've been digging up all of my uh, usual holiday radio shows that I like to listen to from the library and stuff. And I've been mm-hmm. digging and listening to all my Christmas stuff. And I'm like, I am a, I am at least a week behind because especially since I wasn't going to school or anything this week, I haven't sat around listening to podcasts while I was cleaning. I was mm-hmm. listening to radio shows. So. Oh. <laughs> I had a point to that. Oh, yeah, but yeah, for like audiobooks, I even got, uh, even though I own all three of these books, I have a Ted Decker series of a trilogy that I'm going to listen to the audiobooks of because I haven't, I never got around to finishing all the books. I only read the first one and part of the second one. So I'm going to listen to those too at some point. 
<laughs> so, All right. I'm stacking stuff up to listen to in the car, and I'm going to be so behind on podcasts. So, yeah. Don't so, feel too bad. I'm way behind myself. So then I got to maybe go through Ready Player One on the audio again, and then maybe I can find an audio of A Wrinkle in Time and listen to that. Well, I'm sure you can. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I can. And then we'll just add it to the list of things that I need to do. Speaking there of things go. I need to do, I really need to go see the movie Coco. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Yes, you do. Uh, and it's okay if you show up about 20 minutes late. You're not missing much because that's Olaf's Frozen Adventure, and the less said about that, the better. Is it is it more affected by the by we're kind of thought out from the whole Frozen thing, or it's just that bad? Well, it's it, it we're thought out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it. To me, it was obvious that this was supposed to be a television special that they decided to use in a very long short. Um, It would have been fine as a television special, but uh, the message really did not go well with Coco. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because it's 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 interesting in its own little way. It's uh, interesting how, you know, with uh, Frozen F or uh, I'm sorry, not Frozen F or after Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Too many Frozens, I guess. Yeah, because he's even um, Frozen Fever, which I actually never saw. <laughs> it's it's all about Olaf going around and learning about uh, family traditions around the kingdom of Arendelle so that he can share those with Anna and Elsa. Um but it's a uh, very slapsticky. It's very uh, much Olaf G. Look how innocent and unknowing of a character I am, and it just comes off a little cloying. Yeah, that's probably the best word, cloying. So, do you think someone who is like a die-hard through and through Frozen fan is was still going to find a way to enjoy themselves for twenty minutes? Oh, they they will still love it. They will still enjoy it. And you know, there's there's some really nice callbacks to the movie Frozen that are uh, within this short um, that any fan of Frozen is really going to appreciate and enjoy. Unfortunately, it's more like the very uh, the very sweet. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Coco is much more savory, where this is just a very sweet thing. It's kind of like Taste the twice. overly sweet, not the good kind of whipped icing that you get, but you really wanted was that good quality cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But, uh, you know, but but again, you know, it, it, the fans of Frozen are really going to enjoy it. There's a lot there to enjoy. And it's got uh, music by uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez, who was half of the writing team for Frozen uh, for, for the music in there. So um, Frozen fans, you're going to love it. Uh, those of you who may not be Frozen fans, you may be ready to divest yourself of all things frozen afterwards but you know it, it, it's cute for what it is i just don't think it was the best um method of presentation ah so then coco 
Yes, Coco. And as I'm, as the uh, previews have been telling us, Coco is follows the story of Miguel, a young Mexican boy who wants to be a musician. And the thing that keeps him from doing so is that his family has outlawed all music. His family is, uh, you know, they they are shoemakers. They're very good at what they do. But when a family member in the past left the family to go pursue a life of music, it broke his great great grandmother's heart and she declared that there would be no music in the family from there on out and so for miguel uh, as he wants to you know he loves music he loves hearing it he loves performing it and he looks up to his idol ernesto de la cruz um who just uh, embodies everything about music he uh, he has a mantra of uh go and seize um you know seize the day get out there go for it you you know don't let the opportunity slip by. And so that's kind of uh, Miguel's uh, outlook throughout this movie is, you know, if I want to play music, I need to seize my opportunity and I need to do it. This is all complicated when he needs a guitar to play at a talent festival. Um, and he ends up stealing the guitar that belonged to the now deceased Ernesto de la Cruz. And that begins his journey throughout the world of, uh, uh, of the Day of the Dead, Dia, Le- Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, and how he gets to learn more about uh, his family, his ancestors, those who have come. And it all wraps up in a you know truly emotional, heart-rending Oh, it's 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 such a wonderful payoff and a wonderful story to help remind you of how important your family really is. You know, all of us we may have those relatives that you know we may have issues and concerns with, but you know that's one or two people. We have a whole family that are that want to support us, that loves us unconditionally, and the message that Miguel learns as he goes through this uh, really is something that affects many people uh pixar again has really done a wonderful job bringing the the culture of mexico to life but really bringing home this message of family and uh of sharing all that you love with your loved ones and then finding and enjoying and appreciating it right back with you um I, I don't want to give away too much about the movie. It's something where you just have to see it and watch how it unfolds and, and how Miguel grows and changes, but also how his family grows as well and, and the things that they learn through all that he experiences. So it really is a wonderful movie. Um, I cannot recommend it high enough. Um, and in the tradition of Toy Story 3 and Wally and Up, um, I'm not going to say that I cried. My eyes just got extremely sweaty with respect <laughs> for uh, how how wonderful of a job Pixar really did in you know finding those emotional beats within the movie to, that really connect. Uh, it, it's it's really a wonderful movie. So when I go sometime this week, I'll make sure I bring some tissues for my wife who cries very easily. So. Uh, t- take some for yourself. You know, there there might be ducks flying around in the theater that want to spit in your eyes. Ah, yeah, especially if Donald pops up as a cameo. It's a Disney film after all. You know, he he he'd probably spit in your eye. Well, I did not see Donald, but if you keep your eye out, you know, all of our favorite Pixar references are there. A one one three is there. Uh, pizza. Well, the Pizza Planata truck <laughs> is in there. Uh, and you might even see Buzz, Woody, and uh, Mike Wazowski in there if you keep your eyes open. 
Did you see any hints of, uh, well, I guess we wouldn't know of what would be coming next from Pixar other than Incredibles 2, which I believe is this summer. There uh, is an extremely hard to see uh, reference to The Incredibles. Awesome. But there is one there. There's At least probably according some, to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably also something hidden away for whatever Pixar has coming after The Incredibles 2 that uh, I don't know that if we know about. We've probably yeah, gone I, over it. Oh, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that we have. Because um, there was a list of all the Pixar works coming. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, well, we do know that Toy Story 4 is being uh, worked on. Right. And of course, you know, the Buzz and Woody could be a reference going forward to that as well as to, uh, you know, their past. But uh, what surprised me is that there were actually a few Finding Nemo references. Cool. Uh, possibly Finding Dory. Um uh, let's see. The uh, Luxo Ball cool. is in there way. Um, but also, I, I just can't stress enough just how much this really takes Mexican culture and, you know, presents us in a way that, you know, is accessible to anyone watching the movie. Um, you know, everything from uh, grandiose musical spectaculars to uh, Lucha Libre to um, mariachi bands to, you know, festivals to the to the little paper doilies that uh, they make for festivals. They Pixar really does their homework when they put together films like this, and it certainly shows. Yeah, and apparently it went over very well in Mexico. Oh, yes. Uh, even on, t- on Tuesday night previews, there was $2.3 million made in Mexico, and this is actually apparently the biggest film Mexico has ever had. Mm-hmm. And it definitely deserves it. Um, of course, All Coco has also uh, outperformed Justice League this week as well. Which, uh, unfortunately to say, wasn't difficult. Justice League not doing as well as I would have expected. No, it's not. Um, and we talked about that a little bit last week. And, you know, I think Justice League actually is, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. This week I actually went out and bought uh, Batman versus Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, thank you, Black Friday deals. Uh, <laughs> because of how much I like Justice League. Yeah, uh, Lost Boy Phillips said he went. He didn't like Batman versus Superman at all, but he went ahead and bought the extended edition because he got it for like four dollars for Blu-ray, mm-hmm. digital, and uh, DVD. So, and Heather never got to see it, so I think when a you know schedule a viewing time over with Philip and stuff, uh, so she can see it because she hasn't seen Justice League yet either. And uh, and after seeing Wonder Woman, she's like, "Now Wonder Woman was in Batman versus Superman." And I said, "Yes, she is." So, uh, I think she's interested to watch it for at least that much. So. Oh, good. All righty. But moving on with the show, we have coming up here. Let's go. We're visiting the Neverland story time for a little lady in the tramp. And then we'll go and listen to the Christmas fantasy parade and then stick around after that, as you'll hear some audio of Heather and I as our very first viewing of the Star Wars holiday special. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. This is the story of Lady and the Tramp. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. One snowy Christmas, Darling received a very special gift from her husband. She unwrapped the brightly wrapped box and out popped a beautiful little puppy. Oh, Jim, dear, she's beautiful. I think I'll call her 
lady. Lady had found a very happy home with Darling and Jim Deer. Her afternoons were spent playing in the park with Darling. And later, she would race Jim Deer home from work. One summer day, Jim Deer came home with a surprise for Lady. Here you are, girl. Your very own collar and license. Why don't you show them off to Jock and Trusty? Lady trotted proudly next door to see the neighboring dogs. Notice anything different, Trusty? Why, Miss Lady, drawled the aging bloodhound. You've got a new collar. Jock the Scotty added, Aye, and it looks very expensive. Later that summer, Lady noticed a change in Jim Deer and Darling. The race's home stopped, as did the afternoon walks. Instead, Darling just sat home and knitted. Poor lonely Lady sat outside and wondered why her owners were acting so strangely. The answer came a few weeks later. There was tremendous excitement in the house. Jim Deere happily telephoned his Aunt Sarah. It's here! And it's a baby! A, a boy! I'm a daddy! Lady tiptoed upstairs and peeked carefully into a frilly crib. Oh, it's the cutest little human I've ever seen. So this is why Jim Deere and Darling were acting so strangely. Lady rushed outside to tell Jock and Trusty about the beautiful baby. As she talked, a stray dog with no collar or license entered the yard. He sauntered right up to Lady. Hello, Pigeon. I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. And I think you're all wrong. Why, babies are just cute little bundles of trouble. Jock had heard about this intruder. His name was Tramp, and he always managed to escape the dog catcher's net. Jock didn't like it. Off with you now, you mongrel! When Jim Deere and Darling left for a weekend, Aunt Sarah came to stay with the baby. And much to Lady's dismay, Aunt Sarah had brought along her two Siamese cats. They were troublemakers from the start. One cat headed right for the canary cage, while the other tried to make a meal out of the goldfish. Lady chased after them and spoiled their plans, but not before the cats had made a shambles of the living room. Aunt Sarah came running. Merciful heavens! Look at this mess! The two pesky cats pretended to be hurt. Aunt Sarah cuddled them. Did that wicked dog attack you, my innocent little angels? Well, I know how to take care of that ruffian. Aunt Sarah didn't waste a moment. She grabbed Lady and marched right down to the local pet shop. Clark, I want a muzzle. A good, strong one. The shopkeeper strapped a heavy muzzle onto Lady's face. It was so tight that she could hardly open her mouth. Lady wiggled out of Aunt Sarah's arms and bolted out of the store in fear. Up one street and down another she fled, trying to escape the horrible muzzle. She soon found herself lost and in a very bad part of town. Three big dogs spotted Lady and gave chase, snarling and snapping, until they had her trapped in a blind alley. As the snarling dogs inched closer to Lady, another dog leaped to her rescue. 
It was Tramp. Single-handedly, he fought the vicious dogs and sent them yelping away. Then he turned to Lady. Hey, Pidge, what are you doing on this side of the tracks? I thought you... Huh? A muzzle? Oh, you poor kid. We've got to get that thing off. Come on. Tramp led Lady to the city zoo. At a pond, they found a beaver struggling to pull a heavy log into the water. Pardon me, friend. It looks like you need a log puller. I happen to have a handy-dandy one here, modeled by the little lady. Just nip it off and it's yours. The beaver quickly nibbled through a strap and Lady was free of the hated muzzle. Come on, Pidge. Let's find a place to celebrate. Tramp seemed to be known and welcomed everywhere they went. He had a different place to eat every day of the week. It's Wednesday, Pidge. That means we go to Tony's restaurant. You'll love it. Tony had a plate of bones all ready, but when he saw that Tramp had brought a lady friend, he served them a delicious dinner of spaghetti and meatballs. Then Tony took out his accordion and sang a beautiful love song while Lady and Tramp dined by candlelight. Lady marveled at Tramp's carefree life, so different from her own. After the romantic dinner, Lady and Tramp walked through the park to the top of a hill overlooking the city. Look down there, Pigeon. There's a great big world out there with no fence around it, where two dogs like us could find adventure and excitement. It sounds wonderful, Tramp, but who would watch over Jim, dear, darling, and the baby? You win, Pidge. I guess we're just too different. As he escorted Lady home, Tramp noticed some hens sleeping in the yard. Hey, let's wake up those fat, lazy biddies. But won't we hurt them, Tramp? Nah, we'll just stir them up a bit. It'll be fun. Tramp raced into the yard, barking wildly. Chickens went fluttering and squawking about until the owner rushed outside with his shotgun. That's the signal to get out of here, Pidge. Lady tried to keep up with Tramp as he darted around corners and scrambled over fences, but soon she was lost again. Without warning, the city dog catcher pounced on poor Lady and carted her off to the dog pound. That Tramp... I never would have guessed he was the type to desert a lady. Lady had never been so scared and humiliated in all her life. The dingy pound was full of sad, scruffy dogs who stared longingly at her license. They told her that it was her ticket out of there and wished they all had one too. Soon, Aunt Sarah arrived to take Lady home. But as punishment for running away, she chained her to the doghouse. Poor lady was feeling lonely and sad when Tramp came trotting into the yard. Hi, Pidge. I heard what happened. I came over to tell you how sorry I am. You ran out on me and I took the blame. It was so embarrassing. I never want to see you again. Goodbye. As Tramp hung his head and turned to leave, Lady spied a big, ugly rat climbing into the baby's window. She tugged on her chain and desperately called for help. Tramp! Hurry! There's a rat in the baby's room! Tramp raced into the house and up the stairs and burst into the baby's room. The rat was creeping toward the baby's crib. Tramp pounced on the rat and killed it. 
The noise from Tramp's fight awakened Aunt Sarah. She rushed into the baby's room. Oh, you vicious brute! Trying to attack the baby! Aunt Sarah hadn't even seen the rat. She forced Tramp into a closet and locked the door. Now I'll call the dog catcher and have that brute taken away. Jock and Trusty watched as Tramp was locked in the dog catcher's wagon. Well, Trusty, there he goes off to the pound. I was certain he was no good the moment the first laid eyes on him. Yeah, but I never thought he'd attack a helpless baby. Just then, Jim Deer and Darling returned home. Lady gave a desperate tug and broke her chain. She ran into the house, barking frantically at Jim Deer. Look, darling, Lady's trying to tell us something. What is it, girl? Lady raced upstairs to the baby's room to show Jim Deer the truth. Oh, my goodness! Darling, come here! What is it, Jim? Oh, a rat! That means that Tramp is actually innocent. He saved the baby. But now he's being taken to the dog pound to be destroyed. When Jock overheard this, he felt ashamed. Uh, Trusty, we've misjudged Tramp badly. We've got to rescue him. The two dogs raced after the dog catcher's wagon, barking fiercely. The frightened horses bolted. The wagon overturned, and the door sprang open. Tramp was free. Jim, Deer, and Darling were so grateful to Tramp that they bought him a collar and license. Now he was part of the family. The next Christmas, Lady and Tramp celebrated with their own family. Four adorable puppies. skies they have stars in their eyes on this lovely Bellinote so take the love of your loved one you need it about this time to keep from falling like a star when you make that dizzy climb For this is the night And the heavens are right On this lovely Bellinote Siamese, if you don't, please. We are for more resistance. 
Do not worry, I will return on Christmas Eve. On behalf of Disneyland and the North Pole, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a grand and glorious Do you believe in the magic of Christmas? You do not Christmas to one to Alright, so it may be a few days late for us to have sat and watched this thing, because Life Day is officially November 17th, uh, but it's a couple of days after Thanksgiving, it seemed appropriate time to watch it. I've never sat and watched this thing, I've tried before, you've never watched it before. I've only heard of it by rumor. Okay, so obviously I'm here with Pixie Heather. Hi! The Wendy Nerd. So, we just sat down, I pulled it up on YouTube here on Google Fiber here in the living room, and we watched the Star Wars Holiday Special. And our life is now complete. Complete waste of an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you look at it as being a really weird comedy, you could laugh at this thing. It uh, wasn't as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. Uh, okay. It wasn't. You real, expected it, worse? It was. I was expecting much worse. I really was. With the way everybody fusses about it. I mean, like, it was, it was certainly not any kind of, like, high entertainment. No kidding. But it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it was going to be. It could have been worse. It could have been much worse. It could have been better because it's Star Wars. They could have done something. Yeah. But really, this it meanders and wanders around. You don't. You've got a basic minor plot of Kashik for whatever reason is under martial law while Chewie is trying to come home for Life Day. And it seems like they there's a couple of troopers and some officers that show up at Chewbacca's home, maybe specifically looking for him. Uh, because they know there's a Wookiee and he's with the rebels, and they, you know, but I, I don't know if I ever got why they were under martial law on the planet other than to search maybe for Chewbacca, I guess. It's, it's, it's just the Empire. Yeah. This was incredibly cheesy just because the Empire is just being mean just for the sake of being mean. Oh, we're evil because we're evil. Um, you know, destroying Lumpy's toys for no good reason. <laughs> wow. Just wow. But you know, this whole story could have taken place in half an hour special, but we got an extra hour of really terrible guest stars and a scene and a borrow and Tatooine with uh, B. Arthur and uh, Harvey Corman's third that character. That wasn't so bad. It just it completely took away from what they were trying to maybe do with the story. It it's just, just... The way they framed it. They framed it as like, this is recommended this is not even recommended you are this forced is like to you watch are forced this to watch this you must watch this now we, are, <laughs> we want to show you how immoral they are on Tatooine. that was a I lame guess. excuse to show it but really the reason why you rebel against the empire is because their television programs suck if that's uh, their version of cheers i tell you <laughs> oh yeah and the creepy itchy chewy's father and his creepy gift of woman I am your fantasy, before she yeah. sang a song. And the song wasn't bad, but wow, I was laughing it was so bad. That, that, was, that was a little bit, uh, 
was might have been the worst part of the whole thing. That <laughs> or was then, the worst part the fact that you spend at least four to five minutes not knowing what the heck they're saying? Well, no, they do a pretty good job of like you miming. Can kinda, you can kind of figure out like what's going on. You know, mom's telling the kid to go wash the dishes, and he doesn't want to wash the dishes. Yeah, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and itchy is a curmudgeonly old old geezer, Wookie. Yeah. Who apparently likes to watch humanoid females. Yeah, you'd think if he had some sort of uh, fantasy like he seemed to be having, it would have been of a Wookiee female. Yeah, but that might have even been weirder. Uh, yeah, as weird as the acrobat circus act that uh, Lumpy watches. Which yeah. at least was a, a circus act or whatever. Yeah. But it seemed like they were just filling time. Uh, was this a variety show or actually trying to tell me a story? I don't know. Well, I mean, back at the time, Ugh. variety shows would have still been popular they they'd have had better luck if they'd have just done it as a variety show because i mean heck with the harvey harvey corman and his sir stir whip whip stir and all this it would even come across humor. as funny harvey corman is, is very funny usually but they didn't give him anything really funny to do other than maybe dumping drinks into his head was kind of a humorous weird thing yeah. to do yeah but I mean, it... even harvey corman looks like he's not having fun with this well, it does, yeah, there, there is, the emotion is very subdued. Yeah, you could tell nobody was really thinking they were making something great here. Um. Uh, and we we just even watched a clip of Harrison Ford on Conan O'Brien, and, uh, uh, yeah, of course Harrison Ford is, you know, going to deny his existence, and he doesn't want to talk about it because he's Harrison Ford, and that's the way he is. Hmm. But, I mean, obviously they must have known that, oh, this is going to be bad. But Carrie Fisher, give her credit for just singing her little guts out there. Yeah. At the end. He's like, you know, he's like, this is terribly cheesy, but we're going to sing and make this good. Which was yeah. weird because they all, the, the Wookiee family grabs their eggs together, puts them together, teleport into this weird fantasy realm. But yet R2 and C3O, C3PO are there and Han and Luke and Leia come walking in. So, like, I don't know what, they must have ported into a cave. I don't know you could beam anywhere in Star Wars, but I guess you can. I guess you can. There you go. Like, there's a Star Trek, Star Wars connection. You yeah. But I, I have to question, why wouldn't, when Han got there, and knowing that, oh, hey, they've had some Imperial troubles at the house, that maybe they've been looking for Chewie, why don't you grab Chewie's family on the Falcon, you get the heck off planet, because you managed to sneak on the planet, just sneak off the planet with them, because you've now left Chewie there with his family under martial law with potential problems. It's their home. I don't. Yeah, know. I know. I know you want to be home for Life Day, apparently, but mm -hmm. uh, you got some serious Imperial problems. You might want to get off planet because they apparently hunting Chewie. Mm. I, yeah, so you, you give it a thumbs down. I give it a thumbs down. Well, I mean, I, I this is the first. I and I made myself sit and watch it. The cartoon was kind of amusing, but you could tell they really didn't know you know what Boba Fett was going to be like completely. At the time, because from what we know now, we would that think Han, Han and Chewie would should have known who Boba Fett was, you know. Yeah, they would, especially other than Chewie, just oh, he just smelt bad. Well, and Han, <laughs> I mean, would have known since that's his kind of circle. Yeah, well, Han was kind of out of it though, but Chewie should have known. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been in that circle of area, but they, I don't think they really knew much of what they were going to do with Boba Fett at the time. They just went to introduce the character, and they thought, well, this is kind of a neat new character, and let's let's just throw him in a little animated sequence, which actually made more sense than the rest of the special did. And I'm not sure, is that, like, what happened on the way to try to get him to Life Day, or is that just no, an that extra was adventure? Lumpy watching a cartoon oh, okay. on his little thing, so because they wanted him to keep quiet while they searched his room. 
Okay. So, apparently it's subversive rebel stuff because, you know, before we broke the commercial, an officer went to check, oh, what is that you're watching? Dun, dun, dun. And he comes mm. back, oh, I see, because, you know, Lumpy moves it around to uh, play a game. And, mm. and so, oh, look, no, no, it's just some stupid game. Now let me watch this subversive cartoon again. Uh, you know. Well, I don't know. They're I, hiding I their rebel propaganda. I was at that time, so I didn't. I didn't catch what it was for. You were you were making vegetable soup. Yeah. Trying to find a way to escape this uh, this this. No, I was whatever. hungry. Yeah. I was, there was no sure. <laughs> intention of escape. It was just, I was hungry. Yeah. You, you I, but you'd think that they could maybe with Star Wars you could do something good, but maybe you should just not touch a holiday special of any sort. Mm-hmm. And just makes it because they're really did this give you any Christmas spirit whatsoever? Which is sort of Not the goal really. of a, of a holiday special? Not really, but see, didn't you? Like the problem is, is it's not Christmas, and they don't really explain what Life Day is, is it just until the a, end. It's a day of joy and a day of peace. Okay, celebrating freedom, the the freedom of hope that we were going to have freedom from the Empire. And I mean, that so. could be D Day. That could be yeah. you know, uh, any holiday, pretty yeah. much. Yet they can establish you have Christmas in space on an album. Yeah, I kept you, thinking, like, uh, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas? Apparently some weird computer thing that you can put together so the, a Stormtrooper can break it apart. Here there, mm-hmm. Lumpy needs a new Bantha toy because they, they meanly just ripped the head off of his Bantha toy. Yeah. For, you know, apparently searching the place. But uh, it seemed like they were just acting mean because, well, grr, we're the bad guys. Grr. Wow. I mean, seriously. And even though they're supposed to be imposing order, they're stealing from the trader. Let's just rob your store. Although we're supposed to represent the law and order of the uh, galaxy, we're going to steal from you. Well, now, that I mean, that happens in other dictatorships. You have people that are... You're not going to under... steal from them or you know, rob their stores. You want them to keep you know going and you have a legal trade going on you you need to keep your economy going and robbing from your own economy it wouldn't even work you know if we're under a tyrant well you might take something away from an average citizen because you're calling it a subversive item well and then you'd arrest them but but that doesn't make sense if they think that it could be beneficial to them they're gonna take it just because they can and nobody's looking that's yeah don't. But well, here's the even the thing at the end of it to get the deal with the fact that a stormtrooper tripped over his own gun and fell off the balcony. I thought they he was say, going "Oh, for his he gun. was." They told the guy on the screen, "Say, hey, we're looking for. Are you going to give us information about B B two four whatever the heck he was?" Uh, oh yeah, he went and he tried to steal stuff from here, and he just ran away because he stole stuff. So stealing stuff apparently is frowned upon in the Empire. I don't know, dear. I don't know. I and see. I thought he was tripping. I didn't think he was tripping. I thought he was like going for his gun and then he like tripped over it and thought, fell off the balcony. I thought it was like he's going for. It his would have made more sense if Chewie would have grabbed him and threw him over the side. You're getting very loud. Uh, I, yeah, that's all I gotta say. Plus, you know what? You had you had two adult Wookies and one child with these troopers. They could have torn their arms off and ended this real quick. I, well, granted, of course, the troopers had guns, but you know, I they were I guess trying to keep the violence level down uh, because it's a holiday special, and we're celebrating a day of peace. So Chewie can't even throw a stormtrooper off the balcony; he's got to trip over his gun. <sighs> I can tell you don't like Ugh. it very clearly. And there are people who not... like to watch this every year, and I I'll, I don't know how you can torture yourself. That's so cruel. I am not to trying yourself. to defend it. 
but it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. In other words, it could have been worse. Yes. I I I don't know. The way everybody complained about it, or I've heard people complain about it, not having even seen it myself, I was expecting much, much worse than this. And I'm still wondering, what was with Mark Hamill's hair there? What? I don't know. That was a bad haircut, and it looks like they put some weird makeup. He looked weird. Uh, it did look, did look like he had some eye makeup. or Like they were trying to do something. And it might have been because he did have that car accident. Uh, maybe uh-huh. this was right after the car accident, and they were trying to, you know, maybe hide some of his scars that he'd gotten after the accident. And uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I don't remember when his accident was. I know it was between the first and second movies. Yeah. Uh, and they but used some, some of his scarring, that, actually. Though. That's why the part of the Wampa thing in Empire is because, well, mm-hmm. he's got these scars now. So maybe they were trying to make up and cover up, you know, scars from that accident. It didn't look, I mean, he looked more like the young Luke from the first episode. Yeah, with a really bad haircut. Um, then he did what he looked like in two. Because um, even as a kid watching Star Wars, I mean, not even really, I, I was probably a teenager, actually, when I got to watch all of them all the way through. I could tell the difference between the first one and the second one. Like, there was clearly something different. But this one, he looked more like the first one. Well, yeah. So I don't think he'd ha- maybe had his accident just yet. Uh, well, he had an accent before they started filming the second one. And they were about, about ready to get going on that second one about yeah. this time, you know, by the time this was coming out. Um. So, I, I don't know, but he looked weird. So, yeah. All I could detect was some eye makeup that seemed kind of awful. Well, his bit. skin seemed, like, cakey and, like, it was, oh, it was smoother than it was in the even, than even the first film. I mean, no, I don't know. maybe it was just because of that weird haircut and his hair seemed even blonder than I've ever seen it before. I don't know. Could maybe he's been lighting or something. I mean, so. Yeah, it could have been just really bad lighting on him. I don't know. I don't know. But as you also notice, that even for Christmas, you don't get a bra in space. Yeah, I noticed that as soon as Carrie Fisher walked in, it was like, oh yeah, no bras yet. Because they don't have bras in space, uh, which has something to do with you know the gravity and the pressures would would crush you. Apparently, is George's excuse for that. Uh, the fluctu- there's been you know, lady astronauts elastic. in space, like. I, I, it's George. George is weird. I mean, he's produced this thing. George has got a weird streak. And yeah. I swear they were on drugs. They had to have been because this was a... Every every time there was a television special, we went through an acid trip. When a, a television thing or, or a hollow thing came on or whatever. It was like weird yeah. colors. Woo! Well, some of it's just the 70s. Yeah. But this late 70s. 70s, though, I mean, it was I guess it was still going on. Well, I mean, well, I mean, this was solid gold, man. Didn't disco even go like overlap a little bit into like the early eighties before I don't it finally know. died? I don't know, but there wasn't even any disco music in this. I mean, there was Jefferson Starship, later Jefferson Airplane, and their their music of that song was fine. I didn't like their singers so much. Oh, I was. That, I don't know point, who the so woman I... was. the The woman who who was the weird fantasy. She sang nice. I liked her. Yeah. Her little song. The song was, was, somebody the song was better than her introduction where she's just like... It's creepy. I'm your oh, fantasy. Yes, I can feel is. you creating me. That's creepy. Creepy. That was probably the worst part of yeah. the whole thing right there. That Just that creepy, weird... Mm. Yeah. Well, and then I gotta say, like, the when Han shows up and you see the... The mom, you know, staring at him, like, very emotionally was kind of weird. Well, he's like family. It's like, oh, you're like my brother now. It's yes, so good to see I mean, you. I know. But and it, you would kind of get the idea. He, they've probably visited the planet and visited his family many mm-hmm. times through however years that they've been buddies. 
mm-hmm. you know, and smuggling together. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, what a bad father Chewie would have to be if he never went to visit his kid, you know. But I would also think that that would put his family more at risk because he would Yeah, be I'm sure back. there's some danger. You know, like that. I, I, it never occurred to me that Chewie would be a father. Like when I were always, like Chewie's family, I'm thinking like, oh, his mom, his Chewie's mom, Chewie's dad. No, Chewie's wife, Chewie's dad, Chewie's kid. Not like Chewie has a wife. Well, he's 600 years old. I mean, goodness. You know, what do you think he's doing for 600 years? I don't know. I always just thought he would, he was just like, you know, the, the Wookiee warrior out there, you know, in the, in the galaxy doing his thing. Well, apparently he was about to wind up at like a, I think a spice mine in Kessel, which is usually like a death sentence for Wookiees. And Han saves him from that. I'm hoping we get to see that in the upcoming Solo film. When is that coming out? Uh, I believe it'll be, well, because they've been trying to have a movie every year, so I guess it's probably not going to be released probably until next year, if not this spring, but probably next, around next Christmas, like Rogue One was. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that's when we'll get it. So, and hopefully, you know, if they, I I did see online that Lumpy's real name was like Lumpawalla or something like that. Mm. He's got a, a regular name. I don't know what their excuse is for Itchy. It's just itchy. Yeah. So they could have where Chewie does have a family. You could bring it up. But please do not make the holiday special canon. Oh, yeah. Lord. Oh, yeah, Lord. Yeah, I think that would be a mistake. I don't think anybody could honestly look at that and be like, oh, this is the greatest thing. I mean, uh, there are people, people may like that. enjoy it. Just for the laughs, maybe. But, but I, I don't know how you could just be like, yeah, let's pull this up. Unless you just kind of had a weird sense of humor and just yeah. wanted to, just for the amusement factor of. You know, and I do remember Eric did post that he was showing it to his kids one morning. Uh-huh. I think for Life Day. I wonder if it was his kids' first time and what they thought. So uh, let's Ooh. ask Eric what his kids thought of it. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> watching uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special has, uh, I don't want to say it's become a chore, but it uh, <laughs> certainly has its, uh, you certainly need to take it with a, a, a certain perspective. And so I thought this year would be kind of fun uh, on the anniversary of that original airing to watch it with my two youngest kids, Adrian, who is nine, and Sophia, who is five. Now, both of these kids, love Star Wars. I've done my best in training them up properly. I even did slip and let them watch the original, or I'm sorry, the the prequel trilogy. Um, (laughs) But you know what? They actually really really enjoyed it um they they could not get enough of chewbacca's family you know and you know for a few days around the house my son was going around saying i am lumpy and he (laughs) was you know referring to himself being chewbacca's son you know the thing that they liked the most were the wookies you know even though they couldn't understand a word that they were saying even though so much of the special focused around you know the wookies who weren't doing or saying much um they still found that the most enjoyable part of the special because it opened up and showed that chewbacca did have a family that they missed him and that was really the biggest takeaway that they had uh from this show um was just knowing that chewie had a family that he wanted to get back to them and that uh here comes that darn evil empire to try and keep chewie from getting back to spend uh life life day with with his family yeah i 
I, I can't say that I'm that surprised that your kids would like it because watching it as an adult at the first time, it was it was pretty bad. But mm-hmm. if, I think if I'd have seen it first, because there are people who enjoy watching it, but they're also the same people who were kids when they first saw the special. And so it has mm-hmm. a nostalgia and memories because I could see that this special really was aimed at the kids because mm-hmm. kids wouldn't mind that it was excessively cheesy and the Empire was evil for the sake of being evil and all the problems with it. Kids would just go along like, oh, hey, this is Star Wars. And I loved mm-hmm. that movie. And they'd go along for the ride and probably would have a good time. And then, you know, like, you know, the Techno Retro Dads, they managed to enjoy this. But they saw this when they were children. And so it touched them in that childlike fashion. That sounded wrong. But you know what I mean? They, they, you know, it reached them on that child levelhood, so childhood level to where as a nostalgic adult, you would enjoy viewing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, because there's, there's some stuff that I still like to pull out and watch those 80s cartoons that's incredibly cheesy but because of my love for it from when i was that age i can still enjoy it for what it was Mm -hmm. and so i think your kids are probably just at that right age where something like this would be special for them oh yeah so don't pass it on with your grandkids (laughs) (laughs) yeah in my case i i had to have been three years old when this was on but i know the names mala lumpy and itchy from somewhere I already knew that. I knew that uh, before I saw uh, Return of the Jedi. I was wondering if we were going to get to see Chewie's family. Well, so I, 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 I have to have some memory. Yeah. Of this, so, um, but no, they they enjoyed it. They liked being able to see the cantina and figuring Dan and the Molal nodes again. Um, I don't think that they were actually overly crazy about Bay Arthur's song. Um, <laughs> But, uh, oh, the other big thing is that we all know how to whip, whip, stir, whip, whip, stir. Yeah, stir, stir, whip, whip, or whip, stir, stir. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a so, very complicated but, uh, thing just to make whatever Mala was making for Life Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So, you know, I'm thinking that uh, I may need to expand this, maybe see if we can find some droids or some Ewok cartoons and uh, let them experience those as well yeah. as the Ewok Adventure and Caravan of Courage. Which I think you can get the Ewok films on DVD. Uh, I know a, f- a few of the episodes of Droids and Ewoks were released on DVD. I wasn't mm-hmm. really so much a fan of the Droids animated series, but I loved the Ewoks animated series. <laughs> so if they ever released that entire series, I would pick it up and I'd probably grab Droids because maybe I could come back and watch it and still and enjoy it better now as an adult than I did as a kid. Because I think part of my problem when that series came on, I hadn't seen any other than the first film and so I was expecting to see when I went with 3PO and R2 I wanted to see them with Luke and Han and Leia and they mm-hmm. were what seemed to be on Tatooine with some guy that I was like who's this guy what in the world it didn't make any sense to me and I was completely confused and lost and I wasn't able to get into that series and I thought I must have missed something in Empire and Return of the Jedi or something but I knew who Ewoks were and you mm-hmm. can watch that Ewok series without having any knowledge of them from having seen Return of the Jedi and still enjoy the Ewoks, uh, because they were in their own little world of things and had a completely different mm-hmm. story. So, loved it. Even had a little book of uh, one of the Ewok stories. Oh, good. You know, um, this <laughs> probably worth you know, money. And, and and you know, if I can if I can share this, this wasn't the only first Star Wars experience that somebody in my family had this week. My father, who every Saturday we would watch uh, A New Hope on our old um, uh, video disc player. 
And that's where I gained my love of Star Wars, was sitting downstairs and watching those movies with him. Well, as he was out here for Thanksgiving this week, I said, hey, have you seen Rogue One yet? (laughs) And he hadn't. And so I was able to sit down and together we watched that uh, together and, you know, just had one of those, you know, it was a, uh, it was Friday evening rather than Saturday morning, but it was still a, a great opportunity. I had to share something with my father that had Star Wars for the first time. Wow. And how, what did he think of Rogue One? Uh, he liked it. He enjoyed it. Uh, like the rest of us, he really enjoyed those last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty intense, and I'm yeah. even, I saw some rumors on the web on the internet today uh, that Darth Vader will be making some appearances in some other solo films uh, and solo films. I must say, uh, I've heard some rumor, and uh, we might see him in uh, some other standalone type of films from the Star Wars stories. So we'll just keep an eye out for Vader's appearances. It would be very. I, it makes sense for him to pop up somewhere in the solo solo movie. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and they have really fleshed out even more of Darth Vader's character, his motivations. Um, and so if you can look outside of the movies and find these comic books and, you know, you get a really good sense of uh, Darth Vader's frustration and anger with the Emperor and what the Emperor has put him through um, to become Darth Vader. You know, it, it's really insightful and a really wonderful look into, you know, this complicated character. Yep, but but I haven't read all of the comics. I, I while I was cleaning up the room back here, I did find where I've kept all of my Star Wars comics that I've been collecting and collecting and collecting and then never getting a chance to read them. Uh so I, I'm not current by any stretch, but I'm hopefully gonna get a chance to sit down and actually read them. I also did find my autograph from Brett Iwin, the current parks voice of Mickey Mouse. So I am looking to get that framed. Uh so that'll be a next project I guess I work on. But uh, we better sign off until next week. Uh, we're getting right into some Christmas stuff. We're going to keep talking about some holiday specials. And I'm going to see about some special guests that uh, I'll see if I can get some people on who are working uh, around Christmas, doing some special Christmas projects at uh, like the candlelight procession. We have a former UCM student that is working on that. I'm going to see if I can get her on the show this month. But that'll wrap it up for this week. Y'all have a wonderful holiday month. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions 
And a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello, everybody. This is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we 